The podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. I am your best friend, Jeff Sims. And I am your best friend, Evan Smith. Evan, buddy, welcome to another you, amazing episode. Did you did you emphasize that because you were offended when I put on Facebook yesterday that Tiffany was my best friend? A little bit. I did <laughs> I did mean to talk to you about this. It was hilarious. It seemed like the classic like high school thing where you leave your Facebook open on your computer and someone's like, right. oh, Evan Smith likes to pee in the snow and then eat the snow. Like, I don't know, right. like something stupid. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know how the hell I just came up with that. But Yeah, it was really original. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so at first I was like, why would he say that? Because I'm his best friend. <laughs> no, we just had a lovely lunch date. And I was like, and we just talked about like some serious things and some not serious things. And like every time I was like, man, all of the opinions you have about everything, I like. Like, I like who you are. I mean, that's why you married her and started no, a family with her. Yes. But like some people aren't that compatible, even no, though they're married. No, absolutely not. You know what I mean? No, no, no. And that's like, I'm just like, yeah, you are the person who I like the most out of all humans. Well, not a lot of people get to say that, buddy. About their partner? About anybody. Yeah. They're like being able to look at another person and saying, like, we are, you know, 100% or whatever the number yeah. is. Like, we are compatible. This is us. I or, have But that, even, like, in the, even in the things where we're not compatible, I'm just like, but I, st- I appreciate that, like... Her perspective. Exactly. Or yeah. like, if we're not compatible, it's like, sometimes I'm like, okay, but I also know that I'm, I'm an asshole when it comes to that, whatever that mm, thing is. I'm like, and I know things. that you're right. And I, I like, I wish that I was the way that you are about that, but I'm not. Like even some things like that. Yeah, showing those levels of humility are important and being able to recognize in other people. Yes. Yeah. You're gonna be married for a long time, bud. You got this. I listen. I have a fantastic partner. I know. I'm not it. complaining. My God. I got things great. I'm just saying, I got a king size bed. If you didn't take her, I would. Uh. <laughs> Chief and I have already talked about it. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's what we talked about at lunch. <laughs> Step one, isolate Jeff via <laughs> Facebook status. Step two, dive in, grab Catherine, and run. <laughs> That's why I'm building a, a new shed out back. It's actually just a little house for you. <laughs> like, I know you'll want to be close. Yeah. yeah, it's like a guest house. Ugh, that's bleak. I'll be the pool boy. All right. Um, Jeff, it was a beautiful day in St. John's today, wasn't it? Tell me all about it, bye. Well, you were experiencing it, I'd imagine, weren't you? Uh, yeah, today was a weird day for me, actually. I was, like, weirdly, like, tired and, like, didn't really do much. Like, I completed the rest of my research. I just, right. like, finished it off. And uh, and I just, like, took a nap right. in the middle of the day, which is, like, weird for me. Yep. I fell asleep sitting up, which was weird. <laughs> like, I was sitting on my couch. And the way, like, the couch cushions go, the interesting thing is the there's a bridge between the two cushions. It sounds really silly, but, like, you know how, like, the bottom portions of the couch cushions, like, can come out or whatever? When you say bridge... I mean, like, you know how, like, couches have, like, seats? Like, you, like, like there's three cushions. And, yeah, three yeah. cushions, yeah, yeah. But so the if, back like, if you're having, is, like, a party, one person sits on each cushion. That is correct. Right. Uh, and then the back of the couch, like, where your back lies, yes. sometimes it's one full piece across. Or it's designated the same way uh, as the I bottom see. pieces yeah, okay. are, right? You're calling those bridges. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was not the right word, but no. anyways. Uh, I love... Sitting in the bridge inside, and it, yeah. I put my head in between, the, and it's this perfect cushion. Mm. Anyways, I often fall asleep sitting up that way, right? And that's what happened today. I was sitting down, I was watching uh, Superstore, which is a fun little show, <laughs> and uh, which is not relevant, but and I was finishing off my research. And before I knew what I was asleep, I was asleep for like 40 minutes. I know because I called you, and when you when I when you answered, I was like, You've been asleep recently, yeah, I can tell, and it's mm. the afternoon, so um, I went well, I got home and 
I was like, I'm going to go take the, well, actually, what I did was, yesterday was a weird day for me, and I didn't do any research, even though I should have started it. So this morning at 6.30 in the morning, I started my research for today. Oh, good. And uh, therefore took like, intermittently, like other things were going on. I was like, I just had to get it done as soon as possible. Because once Tiffany started teaching at three, that's it. I had to be done. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of annoying and whatever, but it was good. Um, but then, uh, when I was done and then I had the boys and I was like, okay, so what are we going to do for the afternoon? I don't know. And they were both asleep in the car and Tiffany's like, okay, Harrison just woke up. Do you want to come out? And I was like, I need five more minutes and I'll be finished. So I came out and I was like, where are we going to go? It's a gorgeous day. It's so sunny. Mm. Both boys are awake. Got some time to kill. It's yeah. like, just drove to Middle Cove Beach. Did you? Did. Got there. Cause I just love Middle Cove, as you know. Yeah, it's live a there. lovely place. I just want to live there so bad. Yeah. So I got there, and I was like, We'll Man. find two properties. We'll we'll do it. Yeah. 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 Between two trees. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We will. Um, we will? I was distracted by Ruby's bark. We'll cut this. That's no, okay. We will. We will. Um, but anyway, so I got there, and I was like, I am ill-prepared for the situation I'm about to go into. <laughs> I had, like, two children. They each had a hat, which I was impressed with. And I had goldfish and a thing of water. Okay, honestly, you you take those three items and strand anybody on an island, they'll be just fine. They'll be okay, yeah. Yeah. I guess. But strand them on an island with an infant and a toddler, not sure they'll all survive. Here's our jingle <laughs> for goldfish. <laughs> anyway... Um, things were going great. We went down by the rocks. Harrison wanted to throw some rocks. Oliver was like, can I eat these? And I was like, no, I should have brought a blanket so I could lay it out. And he couldn't get to the rocks. Oh, uh, is he past, is he, is he not quite past the point of like, I just have to pull this back and then they're there, they are, or like. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was going to put things in his mouth regardless. But if I had a blanket, like a large blanket, he wouldn't be able to get to gotcha. the rocks underneath. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the things were good. Harrison was doing that. And then all of a sudden he was just like, I have to pee. And I was like, oh. Okay. Um, I was thinking like, okay, there's not a bathroom. I'll, well, I could just like, there's other people around, but I'll just, I can just take your shorts off and take your underwear off and you can just go pee over there and um, it'll be fine. Um, Where is over there first off? Like, like just, in the woods? No, it doesn't matter. He's a toddler. He can just whip it out. You know what I mean? It's fine. Is it? it is. Yes, it is. You'll is know. It? Yeah, it's fine. Anyway. Uh, I-, I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> ideal. It's not ideal, but it's fine. So I was like, this will be okay. But then like, okay. he was like, I'm going to pee. And I was like, okay, just one second. And he's like, I'm peeing. <laughs> he, he gave me zero time. So then I was like, down his leg, it was going. His point, I was like, and he hasn't had an accident in months. Like that kid is actually potty trained. But here's the thing. That wasn't an accident. That was on, on, on purpose. Well, I mean, no. He like, if there was a bathroom upstairs, like we were home and he was like, I need to pee. We would have got upstairs before he had to pee. Like, yeah. He would have held it. I but so. like we were at a beach and he's like, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. But anyway, just piss everywhere. Great. So I was like, man, now we got to go home. This day is ruined. Like, our excursion is ruined and whatever. And then I was like, wait, why? 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 I have to put him in a car seat now, soaking wet, covered in piss. We're all going to smell it on the way home. He's going to cry. Got to get home, get them in the tub. It's going to be a nightmare. I was like, what I could do. Mm. Like Leave the kids. <laughs> yeah. Move to Mexico. <laughs> um, but I was like, what I could do is, I was like, Harrison, do you want to get in the water? And he, I was like, do you also want to put your feet in? He's like, and get the pee off my legs? And I was like, yes. Would you like to do that? <laughs> He's like, okay. So I took his shoes and socks off. 
And he just like stepped in the water and like had a hilarious time about the cold of the like I mean it was you know it's Freezing June in Newfoundland it's very Ocean. cold but he was like yes. whatever he was digging it yeah he didn't go in past his ankles but like it was fine I was like because what's gonna happen now it's so warm he'll, he'll dry. dry yeah he'll still stink but no one's around us and he'll dry yeah and then I can put him in his car seat dry we'll hang out for an hour on the beach we'll go home I'll put him in the tub but he'll be dry and Bob's your uncle and that's what I did look at you. I was very you're proud. You're resourceful, buddy. If was, nothing else, you're resourceful. I was very proud because I was like, this is a moment where everything, like the day could have turned and I would have been really agitated. It was the TSN turning point and you decide to turn for the better. I did. I'm proud of you, buddy. Yeah, touchdown. Yep. Touchdown? Yeah. Isn't that a thing? Oh, I mean, in, it is in, a thing. I just have never, every time I've said TSN turning point, it's never been football. Do they not show football on TSN? They may. I don't know. But uh, it's just never been football. Right. What I is it know. usually for you? Most of the time, it's it's hockey. Oh. Yeah, because like basketball, you don't. Well, often... I think hockey. I think CBC. I don't know why. Well, okay. I mean, I guess the the TV station isn't really important to me. Right. But like, I mean, I guess football is a big one too. Like basketball, where there's high score counts, like you're in the hundreds often, and like it's constantly like point, 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 back and forth. There's not often like a turning point where like the game changes drastically. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hockey is a drastic change. One goal. In One goal is a changes lot. the entire. Higher yeah. momentum. Yeah, of the you're game, right, right. You're right. Yeah. You know, if the score is like two nothing, yeah. and then it goes two to one, yeah. then all of a sudden the momentum yeah. changes. Yeah, right? shit gets real immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, like the point. TSN turning point, that moment right. where you know yeah. your feet get in the water or you score a goal, whatever yeah. that looks like. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does work for football too. Like touchdowns, like it's a very low scoring game. There's not yeah. a lot of points, uh, so like it could work. Yeah. Momentum wise, it could. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Um, so everyone. I don't know if there are skippers. Like, I don't know if, like, some of the podcasts I listen to, like, they'll call it people who are, like, skip past the intro bullshit and just, like, get uh, right to the content. I hope not. I know, but people do it. Because they're just like, I want the content. They just skip to the content. I know people who skip ads, but not content. Right. Like, introductions. Um, like, this is the most important part. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there aren't any because there's very crucial infl- information happening right now. And that is this episode is going to be A, it's a send in episode. Yep. Both of our topics are send ins. And yep, they are cool. And B, you look questioning, but I know who sent in yours, so good, <laughs> good, because I don't. Um, but this is going to be a name this episode episode. <laughs> so uh, was that the sound of the buzzer going off during the TSN turning point? No, uh, yes, good, yes, precisely. Um, so yeah, this is a name this episode. We're not going to name this episode. We'll publish this episode with a title saying "Name This Episode" or yep, something of that nature. It'll be just like the System of a Down album that was called "Steal This Album." This is going to be the episode that is named this episode. You have to find the funniest moment or the focal point or the reoccurring joke, whatever it is. Whatever it is. But and n- you have to email us and tell us what to call this episode. But only rule. There's only one rule, and it has to be every episode, the title is something we say in the episode. And it has to be funny in some context. Yes, it has to be thematically relevant. Yeah. Um, but it has to be something said in the episode, and that is the title. Yeah. You've listened to them all, people. You know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Find something that works. Make it great. Challenge presented. Oh, okay. Um, I have a couple corrections since last week. On you go. Okay. Um, Sean Aston. Ah, I had that one. It's Aston. Well, that wasn't the correction. You got it right. 
Well, I called him Aston Ashton. Yeah, oh yeah, well, whatever. It's Aston. Yeah, you just wasn't your your pronunciation was flawed, but what else is new? Um, <laughs> but you got there. Sure. Um, so him playing poker was why we were talking about him. I also looked at that afterwards. Yeah. I watched videos of him playing poker. Oh, okay. So it turns out there's a TV show called The Shark Cage. Yep. Did you find that? Mm-hmm. Uh, where there's just one celebrity at a time is invited on to play with actual poker sharks. He's not like a huge. Like, he's a good poker player. Yes. But like, it's not like the Sean Ashton poker show. No. Um, but the episode. He is the Samwise Gamgee of poker players. He's not the focal point, but he's no. there. Um, but yeah, it was his episode. He was a celebrity on, and the episode was titled "Samwise versus the Sharks." Yeah. So fun. I love it. Um, uh, just before we move on, because I think Sean Aston is worth a full episode, but I'm not going to go into him because he's very. I looked up his IMDb. IMDb. He's very um, involved. He was like a huge political guy. Yeah. Uh, before that, he was also like before the Lord of the Rings. He was a huge actor. He's done a lot of really. Oh, big he films. was in Rudy. Yeah. And he was in the Goonies yeah. as a child. Yeah. Like yeah. Very everyone successful. knows him from whatever. Depending on the era they grew up, yep. they know him from a certain iconic thing. It's so funny. I saw a meme where it showed him as an old middle-aged man in Stranger Things. Right, he was, he was right. the mom's uh, partner, yeah, yeah, boyfriend he or was, whatever. Yeah. And he died in that. And then, and then it showed the next picture of him being like the brother who was on steroids in Fifty First Dates. Who always wore a fishnet shirt. <gasps> yeah. I never realized that was him. Yeah. And the caption was like... Oh my God, my mind is blowing that this person's this this person. And then the caption underneath the meme was like, (laughs) Sean Astor did not travel to Mordor and throw the (laughs) sacred ring into the fires of Mount Doom to be recognized as a guy from 50 First Dates and (laughs) three episodes of Stranger Things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I died. Yeah, he's got range. Yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. But that role in 51st Dates is, I remember, like, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's wearing the yeah. mesh shirt. He's yeah. hilarious. He's so funny. I never think of him as a comedy actor. No, he's, I think he's just amazing. Yeah, he's great. So, um, Sean, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, we have a vacancy for a guest star coming up. We do. We do. So, uh, if you would like to be a part, I'm sorry, sir. Um, we know you want to be a part. Right. Uh, if your schedule permits. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. You can get in touch with our executive producer. They'll go through the contract. There's a lot of messy stuff, but yeah. uh, we'll get you in. So uh, just email us at info.splain and, and please come on our podcast.com. <laughs> I wonder, please come on our podcast.com. I wonder if anybody ever laughs at our jokes about like executive producers and stuff or whether it's just you and me like also not laughing, but like smirking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how many times do we talk about like, oh, just contact the producers. <laughs> Whatever it is like, guys. We know it's just you guys in a basement. Well, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> well, you just completely opened up the blinds and exposed us for who we are. No, no, no. We gotta, we gotta be in the shadows. Yeah, exactly. But you uh, just opened up the blinds. You just told us, told everyone that we don't have a board of directors. We don't have executive producers. We don't have contractors and managers. I got a contractor. He's building my shed. I meant for the podcast. You lose. I didn't mean meant. Anyways, Evan. Explain something. No, you? I have another uh, uh, correction. Oh God! Slow your load. Um, <laughs> uh, we, I made a reference, or you, actually, no, let's lie. You made a reference, and I wasn't sure if you knew what the reference you were making was. It's not likely. You said, when talking about volcanoes, the ones that are super flat and take up a lot of space, you said they have huge tracts of land. Huge tracts of land. Correct. Okay. Do you know that you were referencing something? Because in my mind, I was like, there's a joke here, there's a joke here, there's a joke here, and I couldn't find it. And I was like, is he referencing it? And he just thought I was going to get it or not? No. It's from Monty Python, Quest for the Holy Grail, 
when the guy is up in the tower yep. and like the super gay prince guy yep. and his father is like this guy's like, why don't you want to marry her? She's got huge tracks of, tracks of land. Yeah, and yeah, he goes, yeah. but father, I don't like land. Yeah. It's that. And that's what I thought you were referencing. No, and no. I, and I was that like, went, I missed the reference. I couldn't get there. I was like, that Maybe. went right over my head. Oh, yeah. Nice pickup, though. Yeah, you can't say huge tracks of land without thinking of that. No. She's got huge tracks of land. Before I don't like land. Don't like land. Good quality. That's good. I'm that's, proud of you. That's fond memories that's of pick. that show. Yeah, that was a great show. Uh, okay, so starting in tattoos. Oh, you're done your corrections. Yeah. Are you? Right. Done, do you have any? It was just Sean Astin. Oh, well, then we got That's it. That's all I had. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so, it is a sentence from Grace. Um, and it's a, her, sentence, her, her question is this. Suppose I had full tattoo sleeves and I was riding my bike. Then I fell off my bike and got road rash on my arms. <laughs> what happens to the tattoos when my arms heal? How do tattoos affect our healing process slash skin? Hmm. So... Um, I just find the entire e- equation hilarious. Suppose I had. Full- I have a full <laughs> arm sleeve of tattoos. And I'm riding my tricycle. I ride my pedal bike <laughs> and I pull back on the pedals and the emergency brake isn't working. <laughs> Do I'm, you remember that? I'm going through Rollins Cross. <laughs> I'm uh, confused about the yield signs. Uh, remember what? Pedal bikes? How like when you go backwards, the safety brake was yeah. backwards. And yeah. Uh, God, I really wish I remember who I was talking to about this. Someone brought that up of like, oh, man, I can't remember who. I'm apologizing if you listen and you were the one who said it. But of like very memorable things as kids. Oh, yeah, it was Jake. Right. Talking about memorable things as kids and right. things just stuck with us. Okay. And his was having a bike yeah. where he didn't have a handbrake. He had the pedals going backwards to brake. Yeah. And he remember being crucified for it. Yeah. Like all the cool kids had right. arm brakes and he had the little childish one. You right. know what I mean? Anyways, that's... Meanwhile, that's... once you get the handbrakes, then it's like death is here. Well, if it's on the right-hand side, you're fine. Yeah. But the, the brakes on the left-hand side, you got to like teach the kid. The front brakes, the rear brakes, yeah. Yeah, make sure you do the right first and then the left, not left. Which is like, is there a need? Could there just be a rear brake? I mean, it depends on how, like, quickly you want to stop. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but, like, for that 12-year-old... Like, drag versus friction and inertia. Like, what do you want Yeah, more? I don't think any of the kids are exerting that. They should just, like, have a panic. Break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of them! And they also try and pedal backwards, but, like, it's just, like, loose because they have a chain back yep. now. So they just, like, keep pedaling backwards. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, back to a full sleeve of tattoos. Great question, Grace. I'll get there. In about 45 minutes. First, I'm going into tattoos. So a tattoo, for those who don't know, is a form of body modification, which I then put down as a topic for us in future, body modification. There's like a long list of like things that are like... Like bionic things? Like... Or, or things no, that are not like... necessarily, but I like that that's where you went that immediately. That are less enhancements and more like prosthetics, like prosthetic arms, Or legs. like people who are like, remove a limb intentionally. They're just like that limb, like, you know, like phantom limbs, that kind of stuff. There's like, get rid of that. That's not mine. Like that weird stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, we should definitely talk about that. Yeah, or like, you know, a body, I guess like... um What's it called when you have the earring that's like the – it makes a huge hole. Spacers. Spacers would also be body mortification. Yeah, I guess Modification, so. not mortification. Yeah, no, it's well, mortifying. Yeah. Um, so a design is made into the dermis layer of skin using ink dyes or pigments. Sometimes semi-permanent. Sometimes you just stick the back of a little plastic square on your hand and lick it. 
And that'll make. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> little, little, you like, didn't have any water. No. You was like someone to get tattoos. You like you got tattoos. And you just like rub it in, rub it in, lick, 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 lick. You're like the Scholastic School. All of a sudden, you got Wolverine on there, or like a Koopa Troopa. And you're like, oh, this is sick. A song. Meanwhile, your hand smells like spit for the rest of the day. Also, okay, back up the truck. What does spit smell like? What do you mean? What does spit smell like? What do you mean? What do you mean? When was the last time your spit smelled like something? Spit smells. Think about, okay, you're 14 years old. You've made out with someone for the first time. You're using way too much tongue. None, neither of you know what you're doing. The, you walk away smelling like spit. Uh, uh. This hasn't happened to you? No, I don't know what you're getting on with down Stephenville. But. What was the first time you kissed a girl? When? Or yeah. how old was I? How old I mean, was it? I guess it's the same It's the same question. question. I don't need to know uh, that specific. Like, July 17th. July 17th. Uh, like actively, actually kissed a girl. Not a been, peck. Like, yeah, like, like an a, actual like, like a full weird on kiss. make out that you don't know what you're doing. No, situation. it would have been summer grade six to grade seven. So I would have been what five plus eleven. Yeah, about fourteen. Grade six or seven is like yeah, thirteen. I 13, think. Yeah. yeah, that checks out. Yeah. So like, you don't remember smelling like spit? I can't say that's what lingered in my head other Weird. than or like when somebody sneezes you can sometimes smell spit oh evan what are you a dog do you have like a weird nose that can just latch on i sense? guarantee you people will comment and be like no. i know exactly what evan's talking about i i, I hope so for I, the engagement I mean, portion I, and I also do for, now too. anyways anyway, there are three categories of tattooing all very self-explanatory but helpful to outline Purely decorative with no specific meaning. Mm-hmm. Symbolic, which is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And pictorial, which is like a picture. More specifically, the American Academy of Dermatology distinguishes five types of tattoos. Traumatic tattoos, also called natural tattoos. Yeah, so like birthmarks and scars and stuff? No, birthmark wouldn't be a tattoo because you were born with it. So how could you and have a ta- natural tattoo? Uh, if I you slipped have... and fell on the pen. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you're joking. Pentalead, or like her question, road rash or a- like injuries from asphalt. If the asphalt is embedded in your skin, it's called a natural tattoo. Mm. Yep. Amateur tattoos, professional tattoos, cosmetic tattoos, also known as like permanent makeup. Sure. And medical tattoos, where professionals um, mark a place on a body or relay information somehow. Sure. Um, like you know, go in that side with the needle or stencil. Usually, or that's done with a marker. Not with a tattoo. Sometimes they do tattoos. I don't know. If they like ship the body from one place to the next. I don't know. That seems so irrational. I'm just telling you what I read, Jeff. Use a bit of paint. Stop judging me. The word tattoo is derived from the Samoan word tatau, <laughs> meaning to strike. Obviously, in reference to the manner it is inserted into the skin. Striking. The practice of a tattooing can be traced back thousands of years in 2015 scientific reassessment of the age of the two oldest known tattooed mummies identified as Otzi which strangely enough is also the name my sister used to call me until I was three Otzi baby Otzi that's what my sister called me for three years go on isn't that interesting it is yep anyway you're the tattoo god well like but also like maybe she was reincarnated and she was like part of the, like maybe you were reincarnated and she like as Prince Atsi, the tattoo prince of Egypt. You know, the body had 61 tattoos, was found embedded in glacial ice in the Alps, and dated 3,250 BCE. Jesus. In 2018, two mummies in Egypt were discovered with the oldest figurative tattoos, clearly depicting images, not just lines and symbols, dated between 3,351 and 3,017 BCE, like 5,000 years ago. Yeah, well, before the COVID era. 
Uh, it is believed by many that there is something in the human DNA that drives us to want to look different from everyone else. Because through the globe and throughout time, tattoos are a consistent part of human culture. But what I did not realize is that tattoos are very topical for this week in our national news. Mm, Given yes. everything coming to light with the residential school in Kamloops and the 215 children that were found, tattoos, <laughs> as Jeff finishes his drink because it's going to get bleak, mm-hmm. um, tattoos were actually a huge part of so many indigenous civilizations. Didn't really, I mean, I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't know how much of a thing. And therefore shrouded in colonization, assimilation with settlers, basically trying to eradicate the practice. And I may get emotional talking about it because it just, like, this week I'm so fed up with this whole thing. Like, not in, like, I don't want to talk about it in the opposite way. Just, like, I can't believe that it happened. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so it was a Christian belief, uh, having dedicated zero time to try and understand it, that tattoos were the desecration of the body and therefore were unholy and should be banned. They were never like, hey, why do you do it, guys? Um, And so, as they would colonize, they began to erase it from the indigenous identity. They took over the area and then banned tattooing, which on the surface is like, okay, I can't paint my skin. Big deal. It's actually a huge deal because the purposes of tattoos amongst different societies are vast, which we'll get into. But a super important purpose um, for indigenous people was religious purposes, and that's why they tattooed. So in the very earliest form, even Egyptians originally used tattoos to show dedication to God, and the tattoos were believed to convey divine protection. So essentially what European settlers did was come in and say, you tattoo for religious purposes, and we've interpreted that our religion tells us you shouldn't do that, and that's wrong. So you should mark your bodies because we all have to be the same, mm. so we're going to make you stop doing that and therefore lose all sense of your religion and identity. Well. Right? There were some times during this research that I was like, I'm going to have to go to Best Buy and get a new keyboard because I like actively was yeah, typing so hard. Yeah, going through the keyboard. Oh, man, I was going into it. Yeah. Uh, for instance... In 1566, French sailors abducted an Inuit woman and her child in modern-day Labrador and brought her to the city of Antwerp in the Dutch Republic. I love the word Antwerp. I can't not say that. Antwerp? Yeah, what I just that? think it's so funny. It's just a city in Dutch, in the Netherlands. Antwerp. Antwerp. It's a great word. Antwerp. Anyway, the mother was tattooed while the child was unmarked. In Antwerp, the two were put on display at a local ter- tavern until at least 1567, which was a year later with handbills promoting the event being distributed in the city. Just like, come look at these people who are tattooed. What? Right? And then, and I had to write all this in caps because I was just so rotted. Literally just capitals for the whole thing. What happened in 1894, Sutherland MacDonald became the first documented professional tattooist in Britain. Because after hundreds of years of destroying civilizations and cultures and religious freedom, kidnapping people so they could just stare at how weird their tattoos were while drinking in a pub... Some members of the upper classes thought it looked kind of cool, so they'll do it to themselves now. Uh, like, it's literally uh, the barfiest barfity barf city. Yeah, there's lots of barf happening. Um, so, on we go. Moving forward in our um, the best way we can. In most indigenous and ancient cultures, tattoos would be applied by hand-tapping ink into the skin using sharpened sticks or animal bones made into needles. Real comfortable stuff. Yeah. Some, like a nice little stick and poke. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Stick and poke. Yeah. 
Oh. Um, what do you think I just guessed that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, on him on a pick, like, you know, you just stick and poke your buddy. <laughs> Why I was so shocked. Some travel cultures would actually cut designs into the skin and rub the resulting wound with ink. Oh, that's ashes, not right. Or agents. In this case, you're more just like, it's like you're coloring. Gonna die. It, yeah, it's coloring in your self inflicting wounds. It's like a super morbid paint by numbers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a two. Uh, we got three over there. Okay, yeah. It, it's, use the blood for the red. It's fine. You yeah, may yeah, as well. I was going to say, look, the little bit of yellow there, that's the infection. Yeah. Use that. Just yeah. spread that around. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Uh, on a scientific level, tattooing is placing the pigment into the skin's dermal tissue, underlying the epidermis. Pigment is dispersed throughout a homogenized damaged layer down through the epidermis and upper dermis, which activates the immune system's phagocytes, phagocytes to engulf the pigment particles. As you heal, the damaged epidermis flakes away, while deeper in the skin, granulation tissues form, which, thanks to collagen growth, is later converted to connective tissue. This means the upper dermis and the pigment remains trapped between layers of skin below the surface. That's essentially how tattoos work. Sure. You heal above it, and the skin below you, below the top layer, is where the ink lives. Yeah. Kind of self-explanatory, but good to say. Yeah. So let's get into the why. There are many whys of why do people tattoo. I have a question, and you can say I'm going to answer this later, but if not, then okay. it's not a big deal. So you're talking about layers of the skin in which the ink will sit in between A to B, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Is or was there a world where the ink went too far? Like they went past the layer like into... Maybe. I mean, infection is very possible yeah and but I infection want... would be from the wound i'm talking like they injected ink into the bloodstream like right into the vein or like right into, do you know what i mean like Don't did know. they ever go too far maybe probably although like i mean if you're using the stick and poke you're not you're not so beside yourself that you're driving that into the bloodstream i wouldn't imagine no but i'm just curious i, do, I mean i don't know i didn't read anything about it okay. but possibly all right um so back to baby Yahtzee. Um, my sister's yes, gonna sir! my sister's gonna die at this. Um, obviously we don't know exactly why he was the way he was because it was five thousand years ago. But here are the thoughts of scientists. Atsi has over fifty lines and crosses tattooed on his body, mostly around the spine, knee, and ankle joints. These locations are consistent with traditional Chinese acupuncture points to treat back pain and upset stomach. So it could be that Atsi was just a poppy with a bad back and indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Yeah. Hey, Pepno Atsi. Yeah. However, Atsi lived about 2,000 years before the oldest evidence of acupuncture. Hmm. So that's interesting. And yet, x-rays somehow f***ing revealed that Atsi had arthritis in his hip joint, knees, ankles, and spine. Well, you can see that. A 5,000-year-old... Fossil. Whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I guess because he was in the glacier, he was preserved. Yeah. More to that, a forensic analysis discovered evidence of whipworm eggs known to cause severe abdominal pain in his stomach. So his stomach was still intact. He wasn't just a skeleton. Yeah. So it's possible his tattoos actually played a therapeutic role. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just laughing. It's insane. It is insane. The arthritis portion is is quite easy. You can see the wear and tear on the, on bone. the bones, yeah, but the like stomach can, is still there, and you can they could find whipworm eggs inside we, of it. We talked about that 
in in something. There was one episode we did where we talked about something. We, oh, dinosaurs. We talked about in the episode of dinosaurs how things were fossilized. Yes, when and it's fossilized. stomach yeah. contents. And also with mummies in yeah. uh, the pyramids once yeah. where they're finding yeah. things depending on how they're right. preserved. The stomach contents yeah. were also preserved. So a glacier would do that, I guess. All right. Yeah. Uh, ancient Greeks and Romans used tattoos to penalize slaves, criminals, and prisoners of war. A practice that carried on for centuries in Japan, wherein they would tattoo the hands or face of a criminal. Two, four, six, oh, one. Yeah, to that point, right up to the concentration camps. I was going to as I was doing this, I was like, oh, Jeff. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Concentration camp bit. Yeah, but all prisoners. Uh, I didn't realize it was specifically Auschwitz. Yep. Yeah. Specifically Auschwitz. Um, now, they did it in a couple of other concentration right. camps But that like, as well. Everyone in Auschwitz had a number yep. um, tattooed on their forearm. Just right below the wrist. Yep. In the same way, in numerous societies, slaves were tattooed to show ownership. Exported slaves in Rome were tattooed with tax paid when they were sold or freed. They would just write that on them. While fugitive slaves, if caught, would be tattooed with F-U-G, usually on their faces. Fugue. Like they were fugitive. So like everyone knew. In Samaritan society, where I told you the term tatau actually comes from, the society is divided by rank and title. So tattoos would mark their endurance and dedication to cultural traditions. The pain was extreme, and the risk of death by infection was a concern. Those who backed down or abandoned a partially completed tattoo would be forced to wear their mark of shame throughout their life, forever bringing shame upon their family. The process would be five sessions over ten days in order to give enough time for the inflammation to subside. I know I'd be a good one for that. I'm going to go ahead and just like bring shame on my family. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'll just check, please. Shame for my family. Make sure that's on the bill. I'm not doing it. Anyway, some of the most fascinating and complicated tattoo traditions actually derive from the indigenous people of North America. It was not a simple marking of the skin, but a process that highlighted the cultural connections to the ways of knowing and viewing the world, as well as connections to family, society, and place. All of which would have been lost if not for oral tradition, because they just were eradicated, and the fact that some anthropologists and other travelers to the islands who drew images and made notes of the people they saw in great detail. Now, that's probably while holding them captive, in many cases. Um, But the silver lining, if there is one, is that the ancestors of those early indigenous peoples have now records of traditional tattoos, so the traditions can and are carried on. Nice. Um, in the Inuit tradition, some nations tattooed female faces and parts of the body to symbolize a girl transitioning into a woman, coinciding with the start of her first menstrual cycle, a sign of a woman's beauty, strength, and maturity. Uh, which all I can think of, and I'm sure you went through this as well, um, going to school during a pubescent time and having sisters. Like, it was sort of this, like, secret thing. Like, yeah. Do you remember this? Like, randomly a girl would just, like, go home from school, and then she'd come back the next day, and she'd be okay. But everyone would be like, ooh, I bet she started her period. Or, like, at one point, you didn't even know the periods were a thing. Yes. Or, like, for us who had sisters, like, your sister would get the day off school, and your mom would talk to you, like, very vaguely about what happened. I have zero recollection of anything. Oh. See, if you're my mom, then it wasn't a vague conversation. It was, like, an in-depth, this is what happens with a female's body, because that's the way my, my mom is. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I could imagine is, like, in today's North American society, like, you go homesick one day, and, like, you're trying to be all discreet and stuff. The next day, you show up with tattoos on your face. <laughs> like, I'm a woman, and like, oh, okay, so you had your period then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, all all uh, discretion is gone. Gone. Once your face is tattooed when you, when you show back up. Oh, God. But, I mean, to be honest, the tattoo version is better 
We're not covering. We're not being like, oh, let's keep it a secret and take your sister. Cindy had her periods. Let's take her to McDonald's and get her a new scrunchie yeah, at Claire's. But like in the like, I, I'm also kind of stepping out of bounds. But like, do we think it was a part of empowerment back that long ago? Well, not even empowerment. It's uh, literally just biology. Uh, or just why like would rec- you be ashamed? Well, that's what I mean. But like back then, it was it wasn't a shame, but also was, it was just a recognition of like this person is now at the stage in their life where they're ready to conceive children. Yeah, it's like for lack of better words, pardon you know yeah. the ignorance, but like they're on the market now. Like it's they're a part of the I breeding think that's the case. chain. Yeah, it's yeah. more so of like yeah. now it's okay. This is a person who can now breed. Exactly. Pass down bloodlines, and this is a person who can now help populate our and probably society. marry. Like you know, they wait for them to have that before they would marry. That's what I mean. So it's, yeah. it's more of a sociological thing, more so than yeah, like, yeah. But like why? Like there was, there was never a point where it should have become a shameful thing. It's, I oh I right? could not agree more. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you know. The whole thing about like let's just like cover it up and go for no, lunch and pop into the mall. By. Yeah, it's bullshit. Um, and you would actually believe that a woman could not transition into the spirit world without tattoos on her skin. That's important. So every woman had tattoos in the English tradition. Interesting. Usually these tattoos would be done using a needle and thread and sewing the tattoo into the skin by dipping the thread in soot or seal oil. Again, I'm just gonna bring shame on my family. I'm gonna pass. Yeah, like that's a hard no. It's a hard pass. Many indigenous and ancient peoples often use tattoos to denote huge parts of the cycles of life, similar to the first menstruation thing. When a woman would give birth, similar thing. When a man would take life in battle, it would be a visual and physical reminder of their elevated status in their community. You know, like the little teardrop tattoo when you're in jail? Yeah, yeah. The head... uh, Shit, I didn't practice this. Hedinosane people. No idea if that was correct. Please correct me. Um, historically used tattooing primarily as a connection to war. Some warriors had tattoos on their faces that tallied how many people they had scalped in their lifetime. Scalped. So oh, again, it's a sign scalped. of status that a stranger could visually interpret. They could see a person and be like, okay, let's not mess with that guy. Mm. He deserves a lot of respect. He's a solid warrior. He's got 75 marks in his face. Symbols inspired by the environment were also possible popular rather, and would often help in identifying a person from a certain location, especially since language was even more a barrier than it is right now. Any visual representation of a person was a huge help. Mm -hmm. For example, a person may have a tattoo of a specific plant or tree known to grow in a particular area, and now we can, like, you can look at that person, see their tattoo, and go, oh, you are from blank space. Okay. Right? They can be easily identified. They can be like, should we be weary of you? Are you a friend or foe? We can tell based on the tree you've got on your shoulder. Oh, but he's a fig tree. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, he's from up along. He's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tattoos could mark a coming of age in males as well, or membership to a group or tribe or a person's spiritual power. There's a great episode of Explain on Netflix, which you told me about. I did. And uh, I got a fair bit of information from that. There's an indigenous tattooist who likens the tapping of thorn or bone like a drumbeat. It's like that sort of stick and, um, was it poke? Stick and poke. Stick and poke. Um, That the physical rhythmic tapping of that um, is like a drumbeat awakening the ancestors, like a tribal song would, in order to administer the tattoo as well. And And the screams were the rest of the family members. (laughs) In the tattoo, traditional way to give a tattoo, a third person joins to actually stretch the skin while the tattoo is given. Uh, the ink or ash is made naturally from the forest, and so the forest would be another ingredient. So nature is physically part of the process, taking nature into the skin and into the body, which would be important for indigenous people. Like, that can't be good. Like, oh, ash. It's, 
No, it's it's definitely very uncomfortable and very infectious at times. Good. Yeah. Um, so Japan has a very long history with tattoos. As I alluded to a little earlier about tattooing criminals, um, their history is a very rocky one. In the 17th century, decor- fascinating, the decorative um, tattooing rose in the 17th century as a fashion statement. And with it fell the use of tattoos as a form of punishment because the criminals could now cover their marks. So if they gave them like a circle on their forehead to show you're a criminal, they'd be like, psych. Now it's the third eye. Now it's a sun. Now it's a Timbit. Like, they could do whatever they wanted because now it was like a decorative thing, right? Sure. Um, there was a Chinese novel very popular at the time called Sweet... Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's S-U-I, but Suk or Sui? Suikoden or Water Margin. I don't know if that's the English or whatever. At the time it became popular, many forms of art were flourishing. Which is like... I remember the case being like, whenever we would study history in music school, it would be like... The Impressionist painters would influence the musicians, and then they would make yeah. Impressionist buildings. Like, architecture, art, music were all always influenced by the time. Yep. Same sort of deal here. Sure. Um, woodblock prints were a very popular medium for that time. And Utagawa Kuniyoshi was one of the late, or sorry, rather, one of the last great masters of that style alive at the time. Utagawa is known for his depictions of battles of legendary samurai heroes. And so naturally, I know, he was very interested in illustrating aspects of Sukuden, which can be translated to Outlaws of the Marsh or All Men Are Brothers. Ah. It's an epic thing. Like, it's a huge, even to this day, it's still... so primal. Yeah, it's, it's like, to this day, that text is, like, a huge Japanese tradition and, like... It sort of felt like the Marvel universe in a way. Like it was like basically like the superheroes of Japan. Japan. I'm into that. It tells how a group of 108 outlaws gather to form a sizable army before they are eventually granted amnesty by the government and sent on campaigns to resist foreign invaders and suppress rebel forces. That's literally the story of like every great like like yeah. the movie Three Hundred, yep. Bad Batch, like the Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, um, the characters from this tale are some of the best known fictional characters in Japan today. So naturally, like anything insanely popular, people duplicate it. They make their own versions. This is what Utagawa was doing, while at the same time, the decorative tattooists were doing the same thing with the same subjects because many of these iconic fictionalized outlaws, being outlaws, were covered in tattoos. Because mm. in that day, outlaws were Sure, they were tattoos. They would be tattooed. tattooed. Um, Japanese tattoo master uh, Horiyoshi III says in the Explained episode, you carve a hero onto your back to take on his characteristics. The Japanese tradition became uh, using the entire body as a canvas, using one motive. It wasn't just like a shoulder thing. Your entire bo- If you're going to get a tattoo in that style, you're going to get the entire story depicted on your body. Um, and this is actually why the rulers at the time wanted to ban tattoos due to its association with the tale of Sukudin. In the story, the heroes are the underdogs. They were tattooed men who challenged authority. And as you can imagine, this didn't sit well with like military dictatorships that ruled the Edo um, era. Yeah. So it took until the 19th century, but Japan did outlaw tattoos. Oh. Yep. Although they were not being colonized, they feared it would make the nation seem barbaric or backward in comparison to the Western counterparts. And they didn't want that. Okay. The areas more susceptible to invasion were the areas where the laws were held much stronger. Like central Japan was like, okay, we shouldn't, but like we kind of will. Areas where Did you the, say the 18th century? Uh, 19th. 19th, okay. 
but areas more susceptible to invasion were like, no, 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 there can't be any tattoos here. We don't want people coming in here thinking like, kind of maybe being like we are an indigenous tribe sort of situation and them colonizing us like they did everywhere else. Mm-hmm. They, we want to think that we are also advanced, right? Sure. Um, but it's crazy how significant the tattoos, tattoos became and like because of what they might represent. The, the government was like, nope, we can't have them, right? The ban was lifted in 1948 when the U.S. forces invaded and occupied Japan after the bombing in Hiroshima and Yagasaki. Nagasaki. Nagasaki. As soon as I said it, I was like, that's all right. Right, uh, and with this lift of the ban came the popularity of yakuza films. Have you heard the word yakuza before? No. Yakuza translate loosely to gangster. The movies themselves seem sort of like a Jap- Japanese equivalent of like Sylvester Stallone movies. Like just like there's yeah. a guy who just messes everybody up. And it's like explosions and fighting and whatever. Sure. Very like let's let's all be guys, drink beer, and go to the movie. Sure. John Wick movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, in these movies, like in Sukaden, the heroes are heavily tattooed. This spread amongst aspiring mob members, bad boys, and young wannabes. Uh, Yakuza has since come to refer to the Japanese mob as a whole, which is why I was wondering if you had heard it. Like, Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Members are described as males wearing sharp suits with heavily tattooed bodies and slicked hair. Today, they are one of the most sophisticated and wealthiest crime organizations in the world. Hmm. And this is what gives tattoos a bad name in Japan to this day. Irazumi, translated as inserting ink, is the method used by the Yakuza today. A typical traditional bodysuit covering the arms, back thighs, and chest with a space down the center of the torso can take up to five years of weekly visits to complete. And that's, that's like the custom for the Yakuza. And costs in excess of $30,000. The process is also more formal than Western tattooing, with the artist having a great level of control over the finished design. It's very difficult and time-consuming process. Likewise, it's very difficult and time-consuming to become uh, an Irazumi artist. Tattoo artists will train for many years under a master, sometimes living in the master's house, learning to make tools, copying designs on paper for years before they're ever allowed to touch human skin. The apprentice will often be given the master's name and become the second or third, like uh, Hiroyoshi, the third, who we just chatted about. Um, he would have been, like, he, he would have learned the from his master. The third of that line. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Hori, H-O-R-I, is usually um, included because it means to engrave. So usually that's part of the title in some way. Uh, but it's very like Padawan Jedi Master kind of situation. Sure. Yeah, it's like very like yeah. high art, and you have to learn and like immerse yourself to do it because it's like you know it's int- it's it's very well, high level to art. Tattoo the full body of a Japanese gangster. You better get it right. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so while not illegal, tattoos are seen by much of Japan, especially the baby boomer generation, as associated with crime. Anyone with a tattoo is considered bad news. Uh, To the point where one of the most common questions searched online in reference to visiting Japan is, do I have to cover up my tattoos? Oh, interesting. Yep. And what's the response? The answer is yes, sometimes. Okay. Most spas, some amusement parks, beaches, swimming pools, etc. in Japan will turn you away if you have an exposed tattoo, even if you're a tourist. It's recommended that as a tourist, you call ahead and do your research before going to a specific place. Which seems kind of unfair and archaic, uh, but the businesses don't want to upset their regular, typically older clients, right? Sure. Uh, there, there are actually websites. There's a website called Tattoo Friendly Listings, and specific for Japan. And like, here are the places you can go where they're like a little bit more um, progressive. Sure. They understand, like you know, tattoos in other cultures aren't the same necessarily yeah, yeah, as in yeah, Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it is recommended that you bring large band-aids with you. And if you're if you don't research ahead of time, you should cover up your tattoos before you go. Wow. Right? Wow. Yep. Uh, but I mean, given their culture, it makes sense. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, sure. Um, and now we've reached North America. Hold on, Grace. I'm getting to your question. Here we go, honey. We're almost there. Yeah. There's just um, way more than I ever imagined. Hence, um, starting my research this morning, which was a horrible idea. But I really thought it was like nothing to this. It's just tattoos. Mm. A lot to it. So in 2012, one in five Americans had a tattoo. In 2015, three years later, one in three Americans had a tutu. A tutu. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what ha- I'm not sure what happened there. One in three Americans wore a tutu. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what happened there. A little mini struggle. I do. Like, what happened? What, what is going on, America? What's happening? Well, the first adapter of the tattoo in America, not including indigenous people, obviously, was the sailor. Do you know Captain Kidd. Just, no, just sailors in general. Oh, I just like, thought you were asking. No. Oh, no, it wasn't the sailor ellipsis. It was just the sailor, period. Oh. Sailors for centuries would often have their initials on their arms, sometimes morbidly, in order to identify their body if they were lost at sea. Or if they forgot because they were so drunk. <laughs> sure. Stere- My name is... Stereotype, stereotype. Jeff Sims. <laughs> Jiffus. Um, nautical themes, of course, were very popular. Anchors. Stuff like that. Sure. Patriotic symbols. They love their flags and their eagles. Didn't they? All of them. Yep. These types of tattoos would mark their identity as seamen, but also mark their achievements. Yeah. A tattoo of a swallow would mark 5,000 nautical miles sailed. Nice. So a huge accomplishment. So a sailor with one or two swallows was very impressive. Instantly you could see that, right? Yeah. Um, a tattoo of a rigged ship had to be earned by rounding Cape Horn off the southern coast of Chile. So like if you leave North America... Um, either the Pacific or the Atlantic, doesn't matter, and go as far as you can go land-wise to the bottom of South America, that's Cape Horn. Okay. You know what I mean? Like the pointy part. Sure. If you go around that, then you would be like, okay, I can get the rigged ship now. Uh, it was gotcha. a rite of passage sort gotcha, of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, many sailors had travel marks showing the places they visited on their travels. I watched this one video of this sailor who was just like talking the interviewer through his life, basically, being like, oh, yeah, so this is when I went to so-and-so, and this is, oh, what happened here was, and he would just point to the tattoo and, like, regale his life. Because everywhere he went, he'd have a tattoo to commemorate it because he was a sailor. I love that. I love the idea cool. of getting a tattoo. I love that, It was a scrapbook. He was, like he a was a passport. Li- it's a passport. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. If I had my time back, Do you say I mean, realistically, I would just have the same tattoo of Florida 17 times. But. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, just oranges everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the style of tattoos referred to as American traditional takes a lot of inspiration from the sailor style. Lots of hearts, swallows, and anchors became popular amongst anyone getting a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Like in Britain, it first became popular to get a tattoo amongst the wealthy. But once the electronic tattoo machine was invented, it became much cheaper and less time-consuming and therefore wasn't a symbol of status. So rich people just stopped doing it. Mm. Barf. In fact, the next thing that pushed tattoos in the U.S. were traveling circuses. They'd have the bearded lady. They'd have the pregnant man. All those stereotypes and weird things. They'd also have the tattooed lady. Just full of them. Everywhere. Tattoos top to bottom. Sometimes the only tattoo... I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. I've been every. 
Look at my skin. It's weird, man. <laughs> tattoos in my hair, man. Um, sometimes well done. Thank you. Sometimes the only tattoos that people in these small American towns would have seen would be the full-body tattooed person who came through in the traveling circus. And that's the number one way that tattoos spread in North America was visually. People would see tattoos, identify with them, and just like the Sugaden tattoo tradition in Japan. I mean, let's call a spade a spade for a second. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But that is the only way tattoos could possibly ever travel is by like looking at it and being like, that looks cool. I would like that. Because yeah. if you orally tried to describe how tattoos happen, everybody would do exactly what you just did. Yeah, no thank you. Right. Family shame. Yeah, 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 I suppose, yeah. Uh, but once custom tattoos began to thrive in the 1960s, everyone was inspired. The world, the world was their oyster. It was like, you can get George Jetson. You can get Elroy. You can get Jane, hey, daughter his Judy. Wife. Jane's <laughs> wife. Daughter Judy. You name it. Anybody can get it. Um, this took off in America when NTV, uh, NTV, MTV came around. MTV, America, uh, Canada's Superstation. <laughs> I've always thought it was hilarious. Oh, my God. It's uh, but not. MTV came around, and um, uh, which brought me back to like how amazing culture and society are. Like Everything is linked. The significance of a tattoo for an indigenous girl, colonization, upper classes looking for status symbols, national laws in Japan trying to curtail uprising against dictatorship to MTV. Yep. All of this is tattoos. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I didn't think I was going down this when I was like, it's, oh, tattoos. You know, without interrupting too much, but like a lot of the traditions that we hold today yep. that have been accustomed, or sorry, that have been customized by popular culture yep. and have been kind of like, we think they're our thing now and we just do yep. them and they're stylized art. They all have had a practical use. Oh, the roots of them are vast. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, um, but yeah, these societal links are like, they seem insignificant at, at times. Like I go days without seeing or thinking about a tattoo, but like all these things had to happen in history globally, yeah. societally for us to get to this place Yeah, through just tattoos. Yeah. Anyway, apparently when MTV first came out in an hour, you'd see 40 or 50 different people with tattoos and MTV was the epitome of cool. The rock stars were the epitome of cool and millions of people could see it in a single hour. Yep. Which is new, right? And everybody they saw had tattoos. Yep. So the lines between different cultures began to blur. And uh, Hiroyoshi III says, in the Japanese traditional style, you use um, mythology to tell a story. In the American traditional style, you try to collect it all. Mm -hmm. Gotta catch them all. Exactly. They give the example of Adam Levine with symbols from numerous cultures, just pictures of his family. Like he's got a, a picture of his daughter here, symbols, writings, etc. It's just like a super American thing. Mm. Get all of the things, as yeah. opposed to like just like let's make our own thing and double down. No, no, no. Yeah. Let's just us, like let's let's collect all the things, catch them all. Exactly. Yeah. Pokemon thing. Mm -hmm. Like was it Ash American? Like his his vibe was. I mean, the version that we saw, he was. He was like, very but, but Americanized. Maybe, but he was like, Japanese. It was a Japanese No, cartoon. I know that. But like, also, like, he didn't make Pikachu evolve. And I feel like an American would have. I agree. So like maybe he was a little like maybe he was like but also maybe as, he was from Ontario. Okay, as like he was saying, Canadian, but like he was like a little bit American. <laughs> it's like Ontario. Nah, you can stay the same, bud. We yeah. can just stay friends the whole time, eh? Yeah, I feel like Ontarians are the Americans of Canada. Yes, the tr Torontonians. Yeah, yeah, okay. I can agree with that. Okay, yeah, we're we're really uh, 
pigeonholing ourselves here. We're really here. stigmatizing of, yeah. of our own people. Yeah. Uh, but as we said before, it's a visual art. People see it. People like it. People want their own. They're inspired by the visual aspect. aspect. Well, and hence this fact, since the introduction of Instagram... The number of tattoos. You said that as if I didn't know what Instagram. No, I said was I'm, I'm just as Instagram. No, no, no. I'm punching it for a reason. Since Instagram was a thing, sure. The number of tattooed Americans has doubled. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I, it didn't really surprise me either. But also, I was like, yeah, that checks out. But it's still crazy. Wow. Yeah, doubled. Doubled. Of course, with the number of people getting tattoos skyrocketing, the number of people regretting them has also soared. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Brenda written in hearts on your left thigh is a great idea on Saturday <laughs> night. When you go home to your wife, Rosemary, Sunday morning, not as good an idea. <laughs> She's like, who's Brenda? Why are you bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> Why Rosemary, a... put on the baked beans and the bacon. I don't want to hear it. Um, so <laughs> tattoo removal has since moved to a... Sorry, I'll wait. I just find it really funny. And why are you bleeding? <laughs> um, but tattoo removal has since moved to a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. It's by tw- it's, it's The statistics I saw was in 2016 compared to what they project in 2023. It will have doubled. It went from like... Or almost double. Like 16 million to like... 26 million or something. Can I back up the truck for like... I'm sorry, tw- billion, not million. Can billion. I back up for like 20 seconds? Please. You know the TV series you talked about, Explained? Yep. Which not, I never watched before until you told me. Which is not the same as Splain. It's Explained. Yeah, it's very proper. Just for differentiation. And they're purposes. very, they're much more um, articulate and... Uh, uh, speak sus- for yourself. ...succinct in their uh, explanations research. than we are. And research, yeah. 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 Um, but anyways, they did a, a full episode on billionaires. Oh. Which I recommend people going back and watching. It's like 15 minutes. It's great stuff. They're like 18-minute episodes. Yeah. are fantastic. Yeah, they actually, they are 18. Yeah. I was trying to like round to the nearest like quarter. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't. I'm always here to correct you. Yeah. Um, but on that episode, they talked about the amount of people who are billionaires and the amount of money they have. And like Jeff Bezos is worth like one point, or sorry, one hundred and thirty. Amazon guy? Hmm? Is he the Amazon guy? Yeah. yeah. One $131 billion. Yeah. And you just said... And 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 so expressively, the whole industry of tattoo removals is worth a couple of billion dollars. Yeah, like so. This or, yeah. one person is worth more than an entire industry of poor decisions from yeah. the worst country on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like take Florida, the capital of mistaken tattoos. That <laughs> that that state alone must subsidize yeah. half of that billion dollars. Yeah. Sorry, and, my my rent. He's is got over. way more money. Than my that. rent is over. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I'm with you. Uh, but as a whole, people report a significant improvement in self-esteem when they get a tattoo. Tattoos make them feel better about their bodies. An act of self-creation. Many women feel in the age of hashtag me too, it's a way to take ownership of their body. Heck yeah. Uh, one tattoo artist says part of it is being willing to face the pain. There's a commitment that you make to wear that image. And therefore, it's very important to you. It wasn't a process that was enjoyable to undergo. You went through physical pain in order to get the image or symbol that meant something, and the process meant something. I wish I could agree with that. Because of the... Well, you can't agree with it when it's like a fish on your ankle. Or, or even like some of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen 
But in general, people, yeah, in general, like the people who do meaningful things yes. and they have the images, yes, yes. they're like, yeah. it'll live with me or whatever. So, have you? Oh, sorry, I'll it doesn't count going. for the people who are like, I'm drunk, I really want a tattoo. Well, actually, I think they're not allowed to give drunk tattoos. I think, like, that's yeah, I'm sure some people in do, most though. states and at least in Canada, as far as I know, like, there's seven consultations, there's yeah, yeah. right, but I'm sure some like waking do. up with a tattoo, I think, is much less likely today as it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 20, 30 years ago. Um, there is now, of course, cosmetic uses with the surge of permanent makeup. Eyebrows, lips, eyes, even moles can be tattooed on your face. Like the Cindy Crawford thing, I guess. I don't know. I guess so. Um, and here's a fact I really loved. Cancer survivors, breast cancer survivors, rather than getting reconstructive surgery after a mastectomy, a growing trend in the US and UK has been to get tattoos over the scar tissue instead. Own it. Uh, oh, turn yeah. this disease that you conquered into a work of art. Heck yeah. Something beautiful. Rather than like, I'm just going to put my boobs back on, which no, no disrespect to that either. You do you. Whatever your choice is, is your choice. Sure. But it's also a very cool concept. Like, I'm, I'm going to turn that. that that turmoil into art. I heard of a story where, and it's 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 going to sound very vague, but like, um, I think uh, a guy was either, I think he had a terminal illness. Okay. Some some form of cancer. Right. Anyways, he was fighting to stay alive, as anyone would. He had a wife, and she was pregnant. Okay. Anyways, they did this massive surgery on him. He ended up surviving the surgery, which they didn't think he would, yeah. and survived the cancer. Yeah. And the scar came from left to right, right across his whole body. Yeah. And what he did is he turned that scar as a, the baseline for the beat of the heartbeat of his newborn child. You stop. And the heartbeat came right across left no. or right. Do you know what I mean? But like things like that. That's like taking, beautiful. Taking battle scars. And turning them into art. Yeah. And, and a, and and a meaning, happy memory. And meaning. And exactly. Emphasis, exactly. Right? Yeah. So Grace, on to your question. Sorry you had to wait so long. But hey, there was a lot to this topic. And I was I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. Um, I hope you did too. Suppose I had... I'm just going to repeat her question. Suppose I had two full tattoos leaves and I was riding my bike. Fell off my bike, got real rushed on my arms. What happens to the tattoos when my arms heal? How do tattoos affect our healing process? Oh my God. That was not even close to you reading what the question was. What do you mean? Suppose I was on my... I fell off my... I hurt my What happens to the What is that? It's very important to note. Tonight... For the last few months, Jeff and I have decided to drink beer during the podcast. Yes, because... Tonight we thought, let's drink wine. And I thought, yeah, you know what? Because I get really burpy when I drink beer, and slurring is better than burpy. Apparently it's not. <laughs> Spoilers goes down to the bike and it's just drunk. And then you fall asleep and you falls out to the bike and you're a German. <laughs> Go f*** yourself. <laughs> well, if you think back to the process of the layers of skin and the healing process I talked about, it depends on the injuries, to answer Grace's question. Any injury to your skin has to make its way through the layer of skin where the ink has settled, which isn't particularly deep. There are stories of people with zits or pimples on a relatively fresh tattoo, three months old or so, and once it's popped and cleared up, there was a perfect blank circle in the middle of the tattoo where the zit was. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, but it's like, think how deep that shit goes. So in terms of road rash, it's totally dependent on how bad it is. In most cases, upon healing, there will be some fading or blank spaces i think it's just scar- like think of like scar tissue like yeah. scar tissue that that heals over it would just be like like a cataract 
Like it would just be like a little bit of blurriness over the tattoo. Well, where no, the sometimes skin it disappears would... entirely. It depends on how deep the, the cut goes, right? If it's very surfacey. How deep is your cut? How deep, <laughs> deep is, is your cut? I really need to know. Because we're living in the world of tattoos. Can't see the sparrow. Can't tell where you sail to next. Did you kill someone? <laughs> I don't know what the end of the phrase is. I know. Is. I, I was like, this is shit. I was like, nope. Uh, nope, it's good. It's I good. I have no idea what to rhyme with the word next. Vexed? Did There's you kill no someone because you were vexed? Okay. I mean, right. maybe. As you were. It's a work in progress. Um, if it's a very surface, so we surf. <laughs> okay, so never again while we're drinking wine during oh, this. We can't drink wine. It's a, if it's a very surface, so... wait. See, here's why. <laughs> no wait. No wait. <laughs> no wait. Here's why I'm struggling. I'm trying to say a word that doesn't exist. Surfacey. Yeah, is that's a... not a word. It's not a word. That's why surface-esque. I'm struggling. Surface-esque. Surface-esque. Your tattoo may be totally unaffected. If it's a real deep, for instance, some people had to get surgery and the doctor had to go in through the tattoo site. Parts of the tattoo, once the skin had healed, were just completely blank. Yeah. That's a fact. So like skin graphing or yeah. like deep burns. Likely gone. Yeah. People with fresh tattoos should be very cautious of sunburn as well. Yep. It's a quick way to instantly fade your tattoo as the burned layers of skin will flake and fall off. So you want to get some SPF 60 on that bad boy quick. Mm, some coconut oil. Uh, I couldn't find anything about the tattoo affecting the healing process, which is the second part of her question. Yeah. It seems to me like it's just like it's ink in the skin. Your I think sk- it's if it's the layer of skin that is to heal, it would be relevant. If it is not, it is irrelevant. Well, yeah. it's The skin is unaffected other than that there is ink in there. Like in his makeup and therefore it's healing is not a thing. Sure. But there's a lot about your skin healing from getting the tattoo. Yes. A lot of issues, a lot of infections can come from that. Yep. That's yep. a huge thing. But I don't want to go into those. What I'd like to go into is a couple of two truths and a lie. Oh! This is the first one. There are three, obviously. Like, I'll tell you three things, and you have to tell me which one's the truth. Go on. No, wait. Which one's the lie? Sure, go on. According to a survey, more women than men in the U.S. have tattoos. Number two. To mix tattoo color in certain cultures, urine was occasionally used. Number three. Your skin is pierced between 10 and 100 times per minute by a tattoo machine. Which is the lie? What was the first one again? Uh, More women than men in the U.S. have tattoos. Based on a survey. Correct. And then it was all about the other one was um, urine for tattoo color. Yeah. And the other one was skin being pierced 10 to 100 times per minute. Uh, These are great. I think C is true. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with A. Is 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 false? A is true. Fifty nine percent of women, forty one percent of men. Okay. Yep. Uh, what was false was your skin is pierced fifty to three thousand times a minute. Oh, so you were the asshole of the question. Well, I mean, I made it vastly different. Okay. It was ten to a hundred, and it was fifty to three thousand. Sure. That was the only fact about that I could have changed. I know. But I, I, don't think I could like your skin is pierced by a banana. <laughs> like, well, how else could I have changed it? Okay, one more. The easiest color to remove from a tattoo is yellow. Number two, the world's most tattooed man is 100% covered in tattoos, including the inside of his mouth, eyelids, and foreskin. Ugh. 
Number three, tattoo is one of the most commonly misspelled words in the English language. By I hope it's not that. You hope that's what? False or it's, true? Yeah, I hope the C is false. Like, that's not the most misspelled word. Like, it's a it's classic. It's a little tangly. Like, what? It's a little tangly. It's like the two T's, two O's, like the, the words that have more than double letters. What do you know, you know. But if it's the first time you write it, you're like, hang uh, on. I'm, I'm going to say C. Nope, because that's true. Nope, it's false. Ah! You want me to repeat them? Nope. Okay. So yellow being the easiest color to remove. Yeah. Uh, most tattoo man. I think man. yellow is the easiest because of jaundice. Like in the skin, it's white, it's clear. It's it's, it's easiest to kind of turn into skin color. Okay. Um. A hundred percent tattooing. There's definitely somebody who like wants to catch them all Pokemon. Right. But there's Get also some really dumb people in this world. And I, I'm going to be very mean and say that those dumb people want to get tattooed. Okay. I'm going to say C. No, that's true. No. I, I, as soon as I wrote this one, I was like, I'll get in with this. Guaranteed. Because yellow seems like it would come out the easiest. Because it's, like, it's the closest to our skin color. But also, other people have different skin colors and they still get tattoos. Yeah, I suppose. Right? Black is the easiest to take out. Why? Contrary to popular misconceptions, black is actually the easiest color to remove during a laser procedure. The black ink absorbs absorbs rather the greatest number of laser waves, allowing it to be removed from the skin much easier than vibrant lighter colors like green and yellow. Yellow is one of the harder colors to get out. Okay. And um, people misspell tattoo the most? One of the more commonly misspelled. And the man does have tattoos on the inside of his mouth, eyelids, and foreskin. So zero percent on that one, bud. Well, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> Fact. As always, folks, enjoy your break. Hey guys, it's Pete from Pete and with Violet. I don't know if I can love again. And you can listen to my music now on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you stream your tunes. Follow Petey Mac D on Instagram to stay up to date with all our news, like my upcoming Lullaby album, or with Violet's new summer song. That's Pete, because I don't bring stuff. Or with Violet. Why can't I give you what you're asking for? Wherever you stream your music now. Welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your little break. We got some wine because Evan needed it. <laughs> See. This is why I stopped. It's okay. There was, there was a period where I drank a bunch of wine, like when we would record. Like I frequently would drink wine. Yeah. And I was like, I think we should start drinking beer instead. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll get burpy. Yep. But I won't slur. Yes. That was really cohesive. I'm trying very hard. You focused. You yeah. didn't even look at me. You looked away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> focused my, vi- really my vision hard. glazed over. I had to turn off my vision so my speech could actually pick up. <laughs> Uh, one thing I forgot to bring up during your topic was like you and tattoos. I know you don't have any tattoos, but like what do are you? Do you know that I don't have any tattoos? Are you confident? I am. Yes, I've How seen your whole you? body from top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, honestly, are you confident? How much money would you bet that I have zero tattoos? Mm, like a good amount of money. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna put a dollar value on it, but like I would bet a lot of money. You're right. I don't have any. I know. <laughs> I, I, I knew that. Um, you also have none. Are you confident? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, but like, would you ever consider getting a tattoo? 
here's why I haven't. Mm-hmm. A, nothing like I I have to. I feel like people who get a tattoo who does like not I shouldn't say deserve, but like in in Western civilization, people who get a tattoo that isn't annoying. It kind of like they know what they're going to get before they get it. Yes, and it's kind of like it's warranted. What am I going to get? I'm not sure. I I shouldn't get one. If at some point in my life I go, you know what? I would love to have that on my body. Then I'll get a tattoo. Sure. That's never happened to me. I feel like I'm the same way. Like, um, I'm not against them by any means, but like nothing has jumped at me. Like, yeah, I could get yeah. a Harry Potter thing. Yeah, I could get a music kind of thing. But it's like, nothing's jumped. Like, I'm not going to get a music note. I'm not going to get the Deathly if Hallows you, symbol. If you get, like, the treble cliff on your forearm, no. I'd be like, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, um, my buddy Andrew, um, his father passed away in the Cougar flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on his forearm, that was the first tattoo he ever had. Yep. It was uh, a tribute to that. It's yep. a beautiful tattoo. Yeah. Gorgeous. And it was like the definition of the first tattoo you should get. He's gotten yep. so many more since he's got his arm filled out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I have other friends who've had tributes to people who have passed away. But just like as I was saying, like it that, just makes that's, sense. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing that's been happening for centuries. People yes. would tribute people and family members by doing that. Exactly. And yeah. Anyways, yeah. I saw a tattoo that I really want to get. I will never get it because Catherine right. would murder me. Of the symbol of the Deathly Hallow. So imagine mm-hmm. the triangle with the line going through in the circle. And then something Star Wars related. Well, uh-huh. on the the triangle portion yep. are three lightsabers. Right. The The stick going straight down is the Elder Wand. Yeah. And the circle is the one ring from Lord of the Rings. Oh shit! Is that good? It's very Jeff. It's it has me written all over it. Yeah, it does. So I actually have it. Look at my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? It's on my upper thigh. Have a look. <laughs> I've never shown this to Catherine, as we're not wed yet. <laughs> I've always worn socks and. <laughs> But how high are your socks? I got the Wilson pair from, or the Kirkland pair from Costco. I'll say. Anyways, um, cool. Well, I enjoyed that, buddy. And uh, now we have a little bit of a different topic coming. This one is coming from Megan, who asked a little bit, or actually a while ago, she sent in one asking about uh, celiac disease and intolerances and allergies. And I kind of took a little bit of a left-hand turn a couple of weeks ago where I talked about allergies. Yeah, which was a great topic. Yeah, I think it's important to differentiate the topics. Yeah. Uh, So first I talked about allergies, and now I'm going to talk about celiac disease. Nice. Shall we? Please. I was talking to Peter Halley about this yesterday. Were you? Yeah. Do you guys just say don't eat bread and then moved on? Yeah, no, he thinks he's celiac and has like that weird um, silent, I think it's called silent reflux. You going to get into that? No. Oh. It's like when you have it's acid. silent. We don't talk acid about reflux. <laughs> <laughs> so you have acid reflux, but you don't know that you have acid reflux. And it's like burns your vocal cords and it was starting mm. to damage his cords. Yeah, I read up a lot about that actually when we were in music school. Yeah. 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 Um, so you often hear today a lot of people saying things along the lines of, is there a gluten-free menu? Do you know if this item contains any gluten in it? I feel like you invalidated that statement by using that voice. Wait for this last one. (laughs) Okay. Joanne, I feel much better now that I've switched to gluten-free shampoo. (laughs) No. There's gluten-free shampoo, buddy. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, having said that, if you're celiac, you can't be too careful, I suppose. I mean, I suppose not. 
Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, there seems to be a lot of com- uh, like commotion around the word gluten mm-hmm. nowadays. So over the years, there have been fad diets yep. that led to, we'll call it the war on, you know, many popular food items. Right. So for years, the food industry put a large target on the backs of common fats. Right. Within foods. So they were claimed to be the main cause of obesity, inflammation, lead to major cardiac diseases, high blood pressure, cholesterol, the whole works. Right? Yep. So it turns out this war on fat in the 20th century came specifically from the sugar industry. It has since come out that major sugar producers were paying off scientists and dietitians to publicize that fat was the leading cause of all of our health problems and that sugar was the answer. What? Yep. So remember the whole debacle about margarine and butter? Yes. The same thing applies. So today well, we literally a, not a thing that one anyone should put in their body. Yeah, but they they said it was because right. butter had fat. Right? So Even though it was natural fat. It's like, yeah, but it's fat though. Well, that was it. That's what I'm trying to say is that that was the narrative back then. So when today, people tell me about sorry to interrupt again, but like when people tell me about how they used to have the little it was before our time, the little thing of powder. Yeah. Because margarine would be transparent. <laughs> You'd stir in the coloring and it'd be fun for the kids. Oh, stir it in, honey. Get the color in there. So like the yellow powder. Like how was that not a butter. huge red flag? Don't eat that. Yep. Yep. No, I know. So today we now know that sugars are the main causes of health concerns, and some fats are actually essential and quite good for you. Yeah. Um, to yeah, be honest with you, fats. I think we should do a full episode on the conspiracies of industry with like food and like that sort of thing, like fat and sugar. Did we kind of do that? No, not really. But didn't you talk to me about like the types of food? Oh, like no, the, no, I talked about the types of like, like nutrients and stuff. I'm talking about industry based conspiracy, like the sugar industry paying. Oh, off, oh yeah, like those kind of conspiracy okay, based right. things. Same thing with marijuana mm-hmm. and the hemp industry and how yeah. um, Randolph Hearst is that his name? He know. William Randolph Hearst. I think that's his name. Correct me, or I'll correct myself because we're going to do the topic on how they he was part of the paper industry okay. and the the wood industry or whatever the paper mill, and he used to pay off people to say that hemp was bad, and that's how marijuana initially got illegalized. Why would he do that? Because he owned paper mills, and hemp was a better product than paper for like material and for things. Oh. Yeah, well that I think we should do a full topic on it. I love that. So, uh with these fad diets, like things like the keto diet, the Atkins diet, low fat, low carb, we are always seeing a new devil in disguise that is causing obesity and health concerns. Uh this decade seems to have shifted its focus to gluten and also more recently sugars. Um so what is gluten? Why is it important, and why do so many people seem to have celiac disease all of a sudden? Right. Right? Because it wasn't a thing until recently? Well, no. It was always kind of a thing, but like it just seems like the fad thing, like the kind of stereotypical thing I was kind of making fun of at the beginning. Do you know what I mean? I do. Um, so celiac disease is a serious autoimmune disease that occurs in genetically predisposed people where the ingestion of gluten leads to damage in the small intestine. Right. It is... Estimated to affect one in 100 people worldwide. 
It's a fair number. Yeah. Um, so gluten is an insoluble protein composite made up of two proteins named gliadin and glutenin. So gluten is primarily... Gliadin. Gliadin. <laughs> it's like the spin-off of Aladdin. <laughs> gliadin. He's like, I enjoy you the world. Some bread in the night, <laughs> some bread in the day. <laughs> Also, great mic technique there, bud. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Uh, Glutinous Glutinous primarily responsible for the elastic consistency of dough. Can I tell you one more thing about lead? Go on. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I don't need to do a topic here. No, 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 no. You might already know this, but you know at the beginning of the movie Aladdin, which I haven't watched enough because I started watching yesterday, I was like, I don't know this movie that well. I know the points. I know it intimately. Well, the beginning where Robin Williams is like the little guy. Yep. All improvised. I knew that as well. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like come join whole... us on a great story. Yes, and all of the little things. He's like, oh, come this, and then now it's broke. And like as all a... that was improvised. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, put it in. It's great. So uh, just as a small tangent, he actually wa- only wanted to do that movie for his children. He wanted to leave them like a child movie for their legacy and that right. kind of thing. So he took a salary of $75,000. Which is not much. Nothing. Compared right. to what he was normally asking for movies in that time yeah. where he was such a big actor. He also thought it was going to be... It was one of uh, Pixar... Was it Pixar or just Disney? Just Disney. There was one of their first animated films that really blew up. Yeah. So he didn't think it was going to go far. Uh, afterwards, after he negotiated the $75,000 contract, because in his heart it was only for his kids, he realized the magnitude of right. what it became. And him and his managers went back and made this huge ordeal of like, you screwed us. Like, right. this is way bigger. He ended up getting um, a much better deal. He never got the money, but they gave him a Picasso painting worth like $2.5 million. Disney what? gave that to Rob Williams. Yeah. Like, so instead of giving him money, they bought him a painting of the same value of what he would have made. Wow. Yep. That's so interesting. How Isn't do you it? know that? I'm a wealth of knowledge, Mr. Aren't Smith. You? Mm-hmm. Anyways, so it's an insoluble protein composed of uh, gladin and glutenin. <laughs> gladin. G L I A D I N. Gliadin. I love it. Go on. Anyways, so gluten is primarily responsible for the elastic consistency of dough and the chewiness of foods made from wheat flour. Love that. Love so, the chewiness. Mm-hmm. So when people with celiac disease eat gluten, uh, which is the protein obviously found in wheat, rye, or barley, mm-hmm. their body mounts an immune response that attacks the small intestine. Okay. Okay. These attacks lead to damage to the villi, which are small, finger-like projections that line the small intestine and promote nutrient absorption. Okay. When the villi get damaged, nutrients cannot be absorbed properly into the body. Oh, shit. Yeah. So in celiac disease, autoantibiotics are created in response to exposure to gluten that target epithelial cells of the intestine and lead to inflammation. The immune response consists of T cells that attack your gut. B cells produce antibodies that attack gluten, which leads to intestinal inflammation and reduces your body's ability to absorb essential nutrients. Shit. Which is kind of important to survive. I would think so. Yeah. This can cause many common symptoms like bloat, stomach pain, gas, diarrhea, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. As one YouTuber elegantly put it, it makes you crap 
and you feel like crap. <laughs> this is so elegant. It's so elegant. One consistent symptom for celiac disease could also be inconsistent weight loss and malnutrition. Inconsistent weight loss? Yeah. So you are consistently losing weight or gaining weight based on the foods you eat oh, because okay. you're... Yeah. Right. So one common perception today about gluten is that if you cut it out, you lose weight. It's this amazing diet thing, right? Right. But due to the actual damage to the villi, the intestines can't absorb nutrients and therefore can cause these effects. You get malnutrition, you lose a lot of weight, you look ghastly. Ghastly. Um... So unlike allergies, which we spoke about in previous episodes, and intolerances, which I'll speak about very briefly shortly, celiac disease causes an autoimmune response Okay, that causes the body to actively attack itself. Oh, shit. It works similarly to allergies in principle, uh, but the proteins responsible and the severity or the symptoms of the response are completely different. Right. So celiac disease is hereditary meaning that it runs in families. People with a first-degree relative with celiac disease, such as a parent, sibling, or child, have a 1 in 10 risk of developing celiac disease. My sister is celiac. My grandmother is celiac. I'm likely celiac. Are you? Um, I, I, I mean, who's to say? I just complained about drinking too much beer and feeling bloated, so... Yeah, but... Because you drink too much beer. I think it's because I drink too much beer. <laughs> uh, so like see, it, no matter how, whatever the type of liquid it goes in your belly, if it's a lot, you'll be bloated. Obviously. Yeah. Celiac disease, as of now, is incurable. Uh, the same YouTuber also elegantly stated, if you have the genes that are common in celiac people, that is HLA-DQ2 and mm-hmm. HLA-DQ8, it's kind of like... Gluten stole your intestines high school girlfriend, and your intestines never really forgave gluten. So whenever gluten comes around, your intestines get angry, and they swell up, and they act like a dick to make (laughs) gluten feel bad. But it also leaves your gut feeling bad, and you can't really function properly. It's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, I really shouldn't have been using them as a viable resource. (laughs) I mean, I disagree. Well, who's to say? It's you, isn't it? You're the YouTuber. It is me. (laughs) Uh, Celiac disease is often asymptomatic. So depending on the threshold of your symptoms, uh, celiac disease in patients may not actually be suspected. Okay. So a lot of people may actually go their entire lives without realizing the common symptoms like you know, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, stomach, diarrhea. Hey, Pepto-Bismol. Hey, you got celiac. Um, But their body is still reacting this way, which is almost worse. Why Uh, wouldn't they know if they had those symptoms, though? If without those symptoms is what I'm saying. Well, then... Well, they don't have any symptoms. How would they see No, no, no. The common, like, front-facing symptoms. Oh, okay. I'll get into the more aggressive ones. So, some common symptoms include... Uh, failure to thrive in young children, which to me is like, what does that mean? Like they can't read physically or yeah, mentally, or like, like developmentally. I'm not sure. Anyways, like, like you're just like, there's something wrong with Johnny. <laughs> he hasn't conquered England yet. He's not thriving. You know. Yeah. Um, diarrhea, fatigue, weight loss, mouth ulcers. Uh, anemia secondary to iron B12 or uh, folate deficiency. Mouth ulcers. What? I've had numerous numerous um, vocal students with mouth ulcers. I get them all the time. Do you? All the time. I get them when uh, I, I'm 
it's the first stage of me getting sick. Many people like canker sores. Right. Yeah. Like I've had some cankers. Is that a mouth ulcer? I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Oh. I think some it students is. are like, like stress will bring it on for sure. Yeah. But I wonder if I have two right now. Gluten is a culprit. Do you? Yeah, I have uh, one right here in the back. Are they brutal? This one is not. The one in the back is not. I get them right here, like right under my lip. Where your like teeth meet your lip. Yeah, and but it's sometimes it's on like it's on my lip, not the gum. Right. That's the worst part because I have to brush my teeth, and when I brush my teeth, I literally do this. For anyone who's not watching, which is everybody, I have to peel my lip away from my face and brush it. So I go like this. I go. So for all you listening, Jeff is pulling his bottom lip out and miming a brushing stroke. Yes. Um, but I get them all the time. But for me, it's the early stages of getting sick. Oh. It's, it's my body saying, your immune system's failing. And then right. from there, it goes sore throat, sore throat to sickness. But it's the very first thing I notice right before I get sick. Right. Um, from there, uh, I said already anemia. And then dermatitis... Um, Herpetiformis, herpetiformis, which is just blisters and skin rash. Okay. So rarely celiac disease can present with neurological symptoms as well. So peripheral uh, neuropathy, uh, cerebellar ataxia, epilepsy. What? Yeah. From celiac disease? Yeah. If untreated, celiac disease can cause some pretty severe conditions, which is what I talked about for those people who don't show the, excuse me, the classic symptoms, right. all the other stuff is happening. So people with celiac disease have a two times greater risk of developing coronary artery disease, a four times greater risk of developing small bowel cancers. Untreated celiac disease can lead to the development of other autoimmune disorders like type 1 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, and many other conditions. Uh, things including anemia, osteoporosis, infertility, miscarriage, neurological conditions like epilepsy, migraines, short stature, heart disease, and intestinal cancers. Wow. Yeah. With blood tests suggest the possibility of celiac, the only pure diagnosis is confirmed with a biopsy. What's a biopsy? Oh, I know I should know, but I don't. Biopsy? Yeah, you're going to tell me? Yeah, so uh, uh, generally a biopsy is where they take a portion of the tissue of which they want to test, take it away from your body and test it, so that they can biopsy your liver, your lung, your heart, your oh, anything. See. Okay. Uh, but in this particular instance— oh, they cut it a piece. They will, yeah. They pick off a piece of okay. tissue and then they biopsy it. Okay. Um, in is, this that a, is that a verb? Biopsy it. It is now. Amazing. Um, Cohen, if you could confirm. <laughs> our resident MD. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> Richard, if you will. Richard, if you will. Um, but uh, in this particular instance, they actually go up your butt. And take they, a piece of your colon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's your colon or your small intestine, but they go up and they take a piece and then they test that. Okay. Um, So the most effective treatment... So basically nightmares come true. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, seriously. The most effective treatment and really the only treatment uh, that seems to be a gluten-free diet. Right. This will help heal the damage to the the villi, villi, V-I-L-L-I. You've changed your pronunciation a couple of times. Because it's Viley or Vili, I don't know. I think it's Vili. I it like Vili better. Vili. Yeah. And can improve the symptoms. Okay. okay? Uh, the book Toxic Staple by Anne Sarkinesian Sarkisian, um, is packed full of personal stories of people who, on a gluten-free diet, healed various ailments like irritable bowel syndrome, acid reflux, skin rashes, allergies, and even neurological issues 
such as depression, migraines, ADHD, and brain fog. Wow. <laughs> um, so just a small brief history on celiac disease. In 2008, an archaeological dig in Cosa, Italy, revealed an 18 to 20-year-old woman from the 1st century AD with signs of failure to thrive and malnutrition. The skeletal, sh- sorry, the skeleton showed the presence of the celiac gene HLA-DQ2.5 and damage typically seen from celiac disease. Okay. 50 AD, Arteus of Cappadocia writes the first medical description of celiac disease, which he refers to as the celiac affection. It's believed by some Infection that, or affection? Affection. A-F-F-E-C-T-I-O-N. Okay. Uh, it's believed by some that philosopher Blaise Pascal may have actually suffered from and perhaps died from celiac disease. He is said to have suffered from abdominal pain throughout his childhood that continued and progressed into adulthood. 1800s. Matthew Ballet mm, <laughs> described a diarrheal disorder... <laughs> Which is also strange. It's very diarrheal. Diarrheal. That improved on a rice-based diet. He described a chronic gastrointestinal condition that responded to a rice-heavy diet. This rice-heavy diet would most likely be very low in gluten or even gluten-free, depending on what other ingredients were eaten. Right. 1887, Dr. Samuel Gee writes the first modern medical description of celiac disease and hypothesizes it can be treated through diet. Gee tried multiple types of diets with his patients, including a Dutch muscle diet. Go on. Yeah. However, the muscles were in the corner during his lifetime, and he was (laughs) never... What do you mean? Are you just making a joke or is there a thing there? No, it's a joke. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, I still don't know what you mean by Dutch muscle diet. Muscles from Dutch. Oh, physically muscles. Yeah, like 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 oh, the, like the oh, seafood. Oh, 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 I didn't know that's what you meant. I didn't mean his muscles. I thought like physically his inside no. of his body. No. The muscles were in the corner. Well done. (laughs) Thanks. So, however, during his lifetime, he was never able to pinpoint which food actually triggered the disease. Or which corner the muscles were in, like northwest, south. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's many corners. 19 and 24, American pediatrician Sidney Haas announced a banana diet that treats celiac disease after treating children with a diet high in bananas and forbidding starches. Before Dr. Haas's banana diet, more than 30% of children with celiac disease actually died. Shit. (laughs) Yeah. Since the diet was gluten-free, albeit unintentionally, and high in calories, it helped children with the disease heal their villi, and their lives were saved. 1940s. So are the bananas relevant, or is it just the fact that you cut out starches? Mm. Cut out the right. cut out the gluten. So even though it's called banana diets, like the bananas were actually irrelevant. It could have been kiwi, it could have been strawberries, right. it could have been literally anything. It's a diet that actually cuts out starches and is anything else. Yeah, it cut right. out gluten and therefore solved the yeah, problem. Okay. Yep. Nineteen forties, Dutch pediatrician Willem Karel Dicke hypothesizes that wheat protein may be the culprit to triggering celiac disease. He made the connection during World War II, when during the Dutch famine, bread became unavailable in the Netherlands. Right. Dr. Dick 
Uh, noticed that throughout this time, the mortality rate for celiac disease dropped to zero in his hospital. He went on to develop a wheat-free diet. Oh. 1952, the English medical team shared results of studies showing how celiac disease patients improved when wheat and rye flour was removed from their diets. Gluten, the protein found in wheat, barley, and rye, was later pinpointed as the exact trigger for celiac disease. 1956, Dr. Margot Shiner performs the first oral biopsy on a child with celiac disease. 1970 to 1990s, celiac disease is recognized as an autoimmune disease, and genes are pinpointed. Okay. 2003, Beyond Celiac is founded, originally named the National Foundation for Celiac Awareness. Beyond Celiac was established as a first celiac disease patient advocacy group dedicated to driving diagnosis and enabling access to gluten-free food. Thank goodness for those people. Thank goodness we're surrounded by water. 2006, first potential drugs for celiac disease begin the clinical trial process. How Since, much does it suck to have been a person with celiac disease before 2006? Before any time. Well, before arguably 1997. Yeah. Or sorry, 1970, sorry. Right. Um so, since this time, more and more research has come out to help educate and diagnose more celiac patients. More importantly, more resources have been given to help develop new foods and diets to support people with it. Yeah. You know? Like now, all of our birthday cakes are gluten-free cakes because of my sister. You know? Right. Little things like that, which is lovely. Yeah. I support this. And also, like, it doesn't taste any worse, does it? It does. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's because they don't cook them well. But that's them. They don't bake them well. Because they don't know how because they're not used to gluten-free? No, I mean my sister's a terrible baker. Oh, oh, not like Dominion. I'm joking. She actually made this delicious cake. The icing was really good. (laughs) She didn't make the icing. (laughs) The cake was garbage itself. Uh, So let's talk about gluten sensitivities. Okay. Not not necessarily celiac. Uh, Correct. Okay. So some people don't have celiac disease or a wheat allergy. They have something called a non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Okay. These people suffer from the same symptoms as people who are fully diagnosed as celiac, but the body does not exhibit the same chronic long-term effects. Okay. So there are slight differences between the less common symptoms of the disease versus the intolerance. So, for instance, mouth ulcers, seizures... Itchy skin can be associated with the disease, but aren't likely to result from the intolerance itself. Individuals with gluten intolerance may find relief by supplementing with digestive enzymes to help alleviate the symptoms, reducing the volume of gluten in their diet, or eliminating gluten from their diet entirely. The enzymes thing, is that like a, like a pill you would take? It could be a pill, it could be powder, uh, yogurt is a like, great oh, uh, like probiotic a for probiotic, enzymes. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, most of them will be pill-based or powdered-based that you would put in like a drink and stir it up and drink it. Right, okay. Yeah. Roughly 5 to 10% of the population have gluten and, uh, sorry, sensitivities. Right. Some doctors will even argue, considering the pop, the percentage could be even as high as 40%. Wow. Yeah. But it's like they're less affected. No, forty percent of the population are are affected by gluten. No, 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 but less affected. Like they're not, they're not coming to the doctor being like there's something wrong. It's like oh, sometimes I get a bad belly. No, they're going to the doctor being like I have a bad belly. Test me for celiac. They don't have the disease, 
but their bodies are still sensitive to the gluten. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one reason people clear up so many issues by cutting out gluten is because over 95% of people with celiac disease actually remain undiagnosed. Wow. 95? Yep. That's insane. Yep. So why has the war on gluten been so big in the last 10 years? So with all of the rise of the fad diets, social media, you know, high expectations to look the best and always feel the best all of the time, it is no surprise that it has become trendy right. for people to claim they have gluten intolerances, sensitivities, or even gla- sorry, even claiming they have the full-blown celiac disease without appropriate diagnosis. Right. Um, where it is such a popular thing right now, simply just searching gluten-free diets on the internet um, and the benefits that it would lead gives you more than 5 million hits on Google. Wow. There is an array of contrasting information saying that there is no correlation with weight loss and health uh, with gluten-free diets. And there's also millions of testimonials and articles and health periodicals saying that it's life-changing and that that's the right, right. thing to do. Yeah. So, claims of the potential benefits of following a gluten-free diet include better sleep, increased energy, thinner thighs, faster weight loss, clearer skin, and improvement of medical conditions such as autism and rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. Like, come on now. Let's get Leah in here. Yeah. Let's debunk this shit. Yeah. Like we just we just went and ate a full pizza with her. It didn't make her autism worse. No, obviously. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's only bullshit. So what we do know is that high-carbohydrate foods like grains in general spike your blood sugar, which lead to various problems with weight and insulin resistance. Right. So a grain-free diet in general does have various benefits. Right. In 2012, a study from Brazil found that a gluten-free diet reduces body fat, inflammation, and insulin resistance. In the study, they gave two different groups of mice free access to food and water. The diets were exactly the same, except one group's diet contained 4.5% wheat gluten. The mice with the gluten gained more body weight, more fat, and specifically, the mice eating the gluten had a higher fasting insulin and glucose and had much more fat in the muscle and liver. This points the finger at gluten as an exacerbator of insulin resistance, diabetes, and fatty livers. Shit. Another study shows and compares the obesity rate in Japan versus that in America. 3.5% obesity rate in Japan versus a 30% obesity rate in America. They eat a lot of rice in Japan. Oh, yeah. Although there are many contributing factors. Uh, McDonald's for one. Exactly. Food, demographics. In, uh, income, all sorts of things. Right. One of the contributing factors would be a rice to gluten diet ratio, right? Like you said. Yeah. A 2011 study explores the link between inflammation and chronic disease. Now, this one's big. Okay. They list massive numbers of studies documenting relationships between inflammation and conditions like Alzheimer's, bowel disorders, cancers, diabetes, arthritis, everything you can name under the book is correlated with inflammation within the body. Okay. Dr. David Perlmutter, Perlmutter says that there's no part of the body that is immune from the damaging effects of gluten. And the reason being that there is no part of the body that is immune to inflammation. 
Right, and gluten inflames. Yeah. Another possible explanation behind gluten sensitivities in our Western culture today is the nocebo effect. This is when a person believes something will cause problems, and because of this belief, it does. So like a placebo. It's the opposite of the well-known placebo effect. Okay. Given how much bad press gluten is getting in the media, the nocebo response may play a role for some people who actually think they're sensitive to gluten. So they see everywhere in this world, gluten's bad, gluten's bad, gluten's this, gluten's that, gluten's bad for inflammation and blah, 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 blah. You eat a stack of pizza, stack, you eat a bunch of pizza. Oh, my knees are bad. Inflammation's bad. Oh my God, I'm feeling bloated. You know what? That's the gluten. Yeah. They cut out gluten. They think they're feeling better because of that. Right. So that's the nocebo versus placebo. So we're interesting. Do you understand the differences? Yes. Placebo, you think you're better, even though you got nothing that should have made you better. Nocebo, you think you're worse, even though nothing you did would have made you worse. It's kind of like placebo is adding something to make you feel better. Nocebo is taking away something to make you feel better. Meanwhile, nothing did anything. Neither of those things actually did anything. Exactly. It is the power of the mind. Yeah. Right? Um, It is now being found that in a group of 3,000 people, celiac disease was doubling every 15 years. Wow. Some of these people, after being able to eat gluten without complaint for 70 years, somehow suddenly developed celiac disease. My nan only developed as far as we are concerned, right. celiac disease in the latter part of her years. Hmm. It's only been, as far as I'm concerned, last 10, 10-ish years. Like, did she just like not complain before? Maybe, or right. it didn't affect her or anything. So I'm, we're not sure. Right. So first, to understand that, we're consuming way more wheat products and gluten nowadays than we ever did. So if we look at my nan, in the early part of her life, she didn't consume as much wheat and gluten and grain as she has now. Yeah. Uh, We've been taught to eat more whole grains with the whole, you know, the Canadian food pyramid, which tells you that, yeah. Right. So it's illustrating that the bedrock of our diet should be grains. The bottom layer is grains. Yeah. Right. Uh, So gluten has found its way through many different products as well. Because of its stabilizing agents. So it's in a lot of things like soups, cold cuts, sauces, everything that you could possibly think of, gluten has found its way into. Right. Because of its binding agents. Right. But they were never added into those things before. Right. But now where we're in the age of processed foods, we're right. adding gluten into things to make it sit nice. Even when you're not having grains, you're still consuming gluten. Exactly. Right. Um, so I remember one time I was making nachos for my sister. Yeah. The chips were fine. They were gluten-free chips. The chicken, because it was chicken. Tortillas usually are anyway, right? Like yeah. Well, most gluten. of them are. Yeah. yeah. Um, bacon bits. Peppers, cheese, everything was perfect. The barbecue sauce had gluten in it. Did the, she eat it though? What? Did she eat it? No, I had to make her a second batch because in oh, my head. Oh, she was head, like, check the barbecue sauce. Yeah, because in oh. my head, I went, chips are fine, cheese is fine, bacon, chicken, peppers, giddy up. Yeah. And I didn't even think about the barbecue sauce. I yeah. loaded barbecue sauce in the pan to yeah. cook the chicken and the bacon. She goes, can I see the back of that barbecue sauce? Looked. It is riddled with rye or barley or yeah. something. Anyways. Smart girl. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's literally... Well, she just, she knows. She's, yeah. Yeah. It's She's happening. at the point now yeah. where... She, so, w- the way people who actually suffer from celiac disease... And actually, to be honest with you, people who have severe sensitivities even... Yeah. 
If you cut gluten from your diet entirely and you reintroduce it even in the smallest amounts, it makes you severely sick, like yeah. on the surface. Yeah. So like uh, Catherine's mom, who's also um, celiac, yeah. uh, she went to a restaurant, she ordered food, she asked three times, is it gluten-free? They said yes, they brought it out, she ate it. It must have been some sort of contamination. Within like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, she was at still at the restaurant, went in the bathroom, was violently throwing Ill. up yeah. violently, right? My sister gets very sick as well wow. when those things happen, yeah. So wheat has also changed pretty drastically as well over the last little bit. So up until now, wheat has been the same for the last 10,000 years. Right. Until the second half of the 20th century when hybridization techniques transformed the grain. Wait. Meaning it's not just genuinely what comes from the ground. We've We've done something to it? Yeah, we've, we've transformed it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, studies are now showing that wheat now has a higher concentration and quantity of genes for gluten proteins that are associated with actual celiac disease. Okay. Yeah. We've so changed the genealogy of wheat. Yeah, which actually created more gluten proteins, right. which is why we're seeing such a spike of people doing it. So right. I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. I think there's a mental food, aspect. society, yeah. that's doing it. Also, social media, pop culture, trending fad diets, those yeah. things are also doing it. So you're seeing people who are severely suffering from these diseases yeah. who can't eat it or else they get like cancer. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. then you get people who are following the fad diets. Those annoying people you see who go to restaurants and go, um, is this gluten-free? I'm on a gluten-free diet. Like those types of annoying people. What you're saying is they're not annoying. They should be doing that? Well, there is conflicting evidence. Well, if they have a, a sensitivity. If the, they actually have a sensitivity, right. absolutely. Stay away but from it. But who are you, Jeff Sims? Yeah. To be catching aspersions on the people who have a sensitivity or not. And that's what I'm saying. So this is the part of my conclusion. Right. Is that right now, there's only one definitive test. And it is whether or not you have actual celiac disease. Right. But 95% of people are undiagnosed. As being having celiac disease. Yeah. Yes. But what I mean by that is they go their whole life just being like... Boss feels like the shits after eating that pizza. Yeah. Boss, you just because you just eat pizza. Yeah, you're probably right. And then they die of colon cancer at 70 because right. they didn't act. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what they mean. They do the Maybe biopsy. Maybe a lot of the people who feel like crap and who are asking Jeff Sims, the shitty waiter. And he's like, ah, uh, you don't know. No, no, no. But so, like, there was a kind of a weird, I don't, I don't want to use the word stigma, but weird, like, cultural thing where, like, if you're at a restaurant and you say, I'll have the gluten-free pasta, please. Yes. And it was inappropriate for the waiter to ask or the waitress to ask, um, do you have celiac disease or right. do you because have an sensitivity? Right, because if it's gluten-free, it should be gluten-free. Yes, but the difference is, is like, what if the sauce did well, something? or the, or well, it's or, not gluten-free then. No, no, no. no. The, like, so the, the pasta is gluten-free. Is that what you're saying? Mm. The physical noodle. Yeah. Right. Right. So somebody with who is following like a fad diet or is like, I just want to try to cut gluten because it right. makes me feel a little bit right. better. So I don't get as yes, bloated. Right. You can cut it, but it could still be in a sauce and you'd be fine. Exactly. You're physically or, or, celiac it be, or it could be in the same pan right. as, or the same pot, sorry, as normal gluten right. pasta yeah, yeah. versus my sister if we, we have to segregate butter. Right. 
Because if I butter my toast with normal butter and I go, oh shit, I have too much butter on this. And I scrape the fork back into the butter, which everybody does. Yeah. And then she uses that same butter. Oh, butter's the, not the issue, but you touch the crumbs. The, the, yeah, right. The crumbs from my gluten bread. And I scrape off my knife into the butter pot. And then she uses that same butter on her gluten-free bread. She violently throws up. I mean, up. not to go kill Hillary, but like that's Darwinism at its finest. Well, that, that is Darwinism. <laughs> yeah. But, but like taking a step back from all of this is that like things like allergies, yeah. intolerances, deficiencies, things like glasses. Yep. The fact that I have to wear you glasses. You can't see a T-Rex running at you. Not that humans and T-Rex never look the same, but you no. know what I mean? Then, like, you deserve to die. Yeah, well, natural selection. We are yeah. one of the only species now that has been able to manipulate natural selection because we've been able to... To an insane degree. Yeah, yeah. but that's what I mean. So, like, you're 100% correct. Celiac disease, allergies, deficiencies, cancers, everything like that should die out with that race. But as yeah. humans, we're empathetic. We are... We, yeah. we are we are able to live past these things and grow yeah. them. There's value to our life past the biological need to survive and yeah. pass on, right? Yeah. But anyways, that's all I have about celiac disease. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, the the conclusion that I had written in, because I, I normally write out my conclusions, but pretty well I just said that don't follow Instagram. People suck. Be nice to each other. Don't follow fad diets. Nope. Listen to your body and yeah. how you respond to specific foods. Yep. And more importantly, eat the pizza. <laughs> but again, if you eat the pizza, which I think is what you're saying, if you eat the pizza and you feel like garbage, do you feel like garbage because it's a crappy pizza and there's like bacon and gross hamburger meat and stuff? In that case, sure, you're supposed to. Yeah. But if you eat a pe- like a vegetarian pizza and you're like, I still feel like gross. Yeah. Check on that. Yeah. Check on the celiac situation. Yes. And then order gluten free, and then put the hamburger meat listen back to on your body. Top. And you know what? Own it. Go oh. to restaurants and say, "Hey, listen, I'm sorry, I, I am diagnosed with celiac disease. Do it. I would love something that Jeffsons won't be serving you me. anyway, so you won't get the prejudice you would think. For now, <laughs> for now, he may be. Who's to say? Uh, but yeah, that's all that I have for celiac disease. I think there's way more. And I think with every topic that we have, this is just touching oh, the needle this, off the top of the skin. Today, I was like, I was talking to her about the indigenous thing with the tattoos. I was like, again, it's the iceberg. It's the tip of the iceberg. There's a million more things to go into, but that's the same with every splanning topic. Yep. As I hope you all know, and I think the point in a way is, yes, we're educating ourselves. We're trying to get the facts, like a fact that we remember that's cool. Yes. But again, we're trying to instigate each other and other people to go, I'm going to go research that now and go more in depth. Yes. And more importantly, I mean, we're two idiots, but people spend their entire lives learning about these things and yes. living them and experimenting and just marinating. We, we can't explain topic. them in 45 minutes each. No, it's impossible. But the yeah. point of this is that these are things that we should know a little bit about, but and, we don't. And now you do. And now you do. So giddy up. As always, my friends. Please go to our social media, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, like, comment, share, all that kind of fun stuff. Make sure you listen to this entire episode and make sure you tell us what you think the title of this episode should be. Please do. As well, if you've got a business, a passion project, a 
thing that you love, maybe? We'll do an ad for it. We don't really care what it is. We're just happy to do it. We're happy to support you in whatever way that comes to light. So let us know at info.splain and at gmail.com. If you listen to the last episode, I forgot to say Gmail. Please ensure you put at gmail.com. There's an actual vast amount of emails gone to <laughs> info.splain.com. Which doesn't have an at, so it can't be an email address. So they would have got a return to sender situation. Return sender. Address, was it? Unknown. I think so. Too much to do Anyway, Elvis, go Google it. Um, as well, if you want to send in a topic to us, just send the topic to that place, info.splainit at gmail.com. As you notice from this episode, two send-ins, one episode. We're happy to do it. We love doing it. Informative and delightful. We hoped you learned something this week. And if you didn't, it is always next week. <laughs> so